So how about those Argos? Well, I saw two today up at Bernard's, and there was a nice orange one and uh, and a red one. Oh, okay. Well, I thought they were all blue. Uh, well, you know they're they're they've won one game and lost five, but they they put on a pretty good show with the Elowettes down in down east this past weekend. So what can I say? I'm going into the bush with my Argos. You go in the bush with your Argos. <laughs> Where you go? <laughs> Bye. <laughs> When I came into this world You're listening to In Grey Highlands This Week. During uh, episode one, we said that we would pick up a few loose ends. And uh, there was a couple of things that we probably should review, Paul, and, and clarify because uh, I was a little murky on, on about rural severances and what should right. be done. So... You're the expert uh, on the, on that, so can you give us a bit of a update? Well, certainly I, I have a little bit of uh, knowledge on that part in the sense that the county just uh, had approved their new official plan, which uh, allows uh, two, three, three rural sovereignties on 100 acres, which is 40 hectares. And from that part is, it used to be two, they've raised to, to three, uh, providing you meet all the, the certain criteria that is uh, put in place with MDS one and two and a number of things that way. But the minimum size is 0.8 hectares. And, uh, but they're, they're, they think they've opened it up a little bit in the sense of uh, a larger uh, size and the sense of what you can, you know, sometimes when you're creating a real severance, sometimes uh, there's, you know, there's, there's fence rows, rows of trees or certain dynamics that can somewhat change that from, you know, the uh, particular size of the minimum 0.8. All right. So uh, are we looking maybe to have them a little bit smaller or uh, more of them? Well, I think that was, uh, you know, that could be a, to a future dialogue or a future episode right. in the sense of having that conversation. But I think, why not look at that? Uh, in the early 2000s, it used to be, uh, or no, so going back to the early 90s, 1990s, uh, the, min uh, the minimum size was um, 0.4 or an acre. Right. And, and then they required that. Uh, you can grow a lot of tomatoes in an acre. So. That's a lot of hoeing. That's right, but still. <laughs> it's a lot of hoeing in there. T tiny farms. Well, you know, that's uh, something that uh, was looked at a few years back in North of Markdale. There was the, uh, the um, what do you call it, the agriminium. Right. idea which was looking at opportunities to create farm parcels maybe up to 10 acres with uh, you know uh, you know there was a commonality in the sense of having maybe a, a, a common storage area but creating out of 100 acres you could create maybe eight units have a storage have a infrastructure of roads and stuff like that a common area but uh, certainly the ability to you know that it could wharf into other uh, dialogue or discussions that we could have at future uh, episodes but you know giving that, those people uh, or people the opportunity to have um, a market garden or something like that and yeah the 10 acres could grow you a lot of food that's right well i did have 10 acres once and had a market garden on it and i didn't know what to do with all my produce so right. it's something that uh, needs to be looked at right just one other thing i don't want to forget on the on rural severances is uh, in 2005 when the provincial policy came out that they no longer allowed uh, a severance on agricultural lands right which is to preserve farmland and we know we really want to you know continue to preserve farmland and and uh, you know that's our our food basket that's where we grow our food and uh, you know that top six inches means a lot but saying that there is a opportunity that we can talk about in the future but the idea of of severing surplus farm dwellings and right that's new as well 
Uh, no, to, they, they, they introduced that in 2005 to allow uh, farm consolidation that farmers are, who are buying up farms that, uh, you know, got into situations where they had tenants and they, they you know, they weren't in the rental business, they were in the right. farming business. And, but uh, what that allows, uh, Stuart, is, you know, you maintain some rural um, uh, population because if those farmhouses from consolidation are gone, you lose uh, people. And people, uh, families, you know, and if it's affordability. And I think we're going to talk about affordable housing at, at further uh, lengths at another time. But, you know, those having people in your rural countryside support schools, they support arenas, they support, uh, you know, community groups. It's very important to, to maintain a, a population in your rural areas. Well, it's pretty uh, desolate sometimes driving down some of these uh side roads when uh, you know there's only one farmhouse so right, right. i think that uh, <laughs> there may be solutions and we'll and that's not our business but uh, let's talk about some some things that may be coming up in policy that uh, may may help in that area well you know we talked about there was a public meeting on tiny uh, uh with regards to uh, minimum size homes right tiny homes last night and and i think that's something that uh is the county has now removed that uh the the minimum required of 90 square meters for uh, a residential home uh, so, I mean, at that public meeting last night, they showed What's some... What's 90 square meters? Uh, like I was, you know, born imperial. a while ago. So You're an imperial guy. So, I'm imperial, yes. So, just under 1,000 square feet. Okay. Right. And, uh, I mean, they showed some great uh, homes that were five, 600 square feet. Uh, I think an individual presented last night with regards to when people were settling this land, uh, 320 square feet supported maybe eight or 10 people. That was a log house. That's right. So uh, the opportunity to, to move forward with uh, the minimum size, I think that's going to create an opportunity to have unit size that will be maybe more affordable, more attainable. That's, uh, that's the... It's, from why I was reading the audience and reading the, the planner and, uh, and, and maybe council that uh, I think everybody agrees. Yeah. That uh, smaller or taking away the regulations may open up some other ideas as well like tiny lots. So we'll talk about that in the future as well. Absolutely. But a tiny home on a one acre lot in a rural Ontario home, it doesn't make much sense. So, well, and, and, and I think you brought to forward last episode about the minimum, uh, the minimum priced house you could find was only two under $300,000. That's right. It's pretty tough when you're a young person finding that. Uh, we also talked about environment. That's right. Last meeting with regards to climate uh, crisis uh, is is we have here in Grey Highlands has declared, and I see other municipalities are also declaring uh, a climate a climate crisis. So right. we we have that UN report that was uh, that was uh, released a few weeks back, and uh, you know part of that is uh, from that I guess the uh, hundred scientists that were uh, submitted toward that report talked about the twenty five percent of the carbon is regards to land use and uh, the issues around the land use. Right, so we'll someday talk about the other 75%, right, which is uh, right. Uh, planes, automobiles, and all other things. So, But uh, I would say that uh, uh, Grey Highlands is going to have the uh, Climate Crisis Committee soon, so right. he'll keep us posted on that. Uh, uh, let's say I'm sure everybody will find out uh, from the municipal website, but it's interesting to get that started. Um, I'm concerned about... Uh, uh, flooding, that would be my one of things that I want to talk about. Water and dryness are two big things, right? right. And, and certainly that's going to be an exciting time to see some new stuff come out through, uh, through that committee. And uh, I mean, there's lots of uh, 
of uh, commentary about the UN report, and and certainly, uh, I, in my mind, uh, Stuart is uh, we got to look at the glasses half full, and how do we how do we uh, how do we work through this, and how do we come up with solutions? Well, there's a lot of a lot of things coming to, uh, through every day on on uh, ideas and things, so uh, we'll try and keep everybody posted on what what we're hearing. All right, our telephone number is. 519-900-8905. You can email us at feedback at ingrayhighlandsthisweek.ca. We're now moving into the next segment, and I'm the foodie, and Paul, you're the farmer. So let's talk a little bit about food and farms and, and how things can happen in that area. I understand, uh, Stuart, you have, uh, you presented an interesting uh, birthday gift. Well, my, uh, I have a couple of children uh, that, uh, that are vegans, and certainly uh, they're, they're vegans by choice. And uh, so the other day when I was uh, giving my son Al his, uh, his birthday gift, uh, I uh, said, uh, uh, I think a card might have cost $5, so I bought him a a basket of blueberries, uh, a small basket, mind you, a pint right. for $5. And I put his his money alongside. I didn't put it in the food, but along the side. And uh, so he was very happy. He was very appreciative. So uh, dealing with uh, this new generation of vegan and things. So I've been, uh, uh, you know, a recent, uh, I really re- realized my, my stomach upsets were coming from uh, from uh, gluten intolerance. And then I reflected back and was talking to my cousin who lives at West. And she says, you know, Stuart, when you were a baby, you were a celiac baby. I said, what was what did that mean? Well, that meant your father had to go every day to a sick kid's hospital and get a special formula because wow. you were allergic to everything. So back in, I think, in the early days, now the 40s, the uh, doctors at sick kid's hospital developed pablum, which was rice-based. So I was one of the first kids to eat pablum. So then it it sort of disappeared in my mind for many years. But uh, now I've uh, become, uh, let's say, gluten uh, gluten free over the last five years, and I've really felt much better about it. Uh, got some nice gluten free bread at the farmers market every Saturday, and also some nice uh, waffles, gluten free waffles. The beautiful thing is you can put uh, maple syrup on your gluten-free waffles and doesn't cause me any problems. So, wow. anyhow, what's well, maple uh, syrup's good for you too, Stuart? Yeah, do you oh, you made some maple syrup at the farm, didn't you? Well, if we have time in the spring, certainly. But I understand it has a lot of natural. Um, I'm not sure what you say exactly. It's in it, but it's good for you. It's and it's 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 you know it's from your it's from your your trees. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Well, I certainly enjoy it and. Uh, yeah. I think that uh, um, that's part of part of rural living as well. You can get so much maple syrup out here. We should and do some research on a, a future episode to, to know what the, the properties of maple syrup is, because a lot of uh, farmers in our area in our area make maple syrup, and, and I they, sure hope it makes you healthy because I'm uh, indulging on it. So everything in moderation, Stuart. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'll stick to uh, maybe adding whipped cream on my waffles instead. Right. So, you know, it's, it's great, you know, it's great, Stuart, that you have the opportunity in, in our, our, our country that you have the ability to have choices like you do. Right. And, and having the ability to have the selection of getting gluten-free uh, food out there. And I think you mentioned one time that um, one of the local uh, grocery stores uh, has a good selection of, of gluten-free food. 
Well, it's becoming more popular now. In fact, even at the farmer's market, uh, there's a lady uh, by the name of Mrs. Brown that makes uh, gluten-free butter tarts. And I must admit, oh, butter tarts. I've added that to my <laughs> Saturday uh, shopping list, all right? right. Two gluten-free uh, butter tarts, uh, waffles, and bread. So I'm really enjoying being uh, having this problem. Uh, it's <laughs> you're getting pampered. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Well, that's 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 great, Stuart. And 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 then and, and I guess other parts of of our food is the hundred mile market. Yes. Do, do you have any thoughts on that? Well, uh, certainly, um, I like to think that uh, uh, Gray Highlands is a lot smaller than a hundred miles. So I I kind of think that we have uh, we have a lot of farm gate uh, food uh, that that I like to shop at. And we also have a couple of nice stores in in Markdale and and a few in in uh, in Flesher and that that offer this kind of food. So, I mean, uh, as a gluten free gluten free person, I eat cheese. Well, you were just telling me today that you had a, a bit of a drive somewhere. Well, I was up to uh, Katie Market today, and uh, we went there to uh, to explore uh, some of the things that are out there and. Uh, there's a whole section in Katie Market that says 100% local food. So uh, a lot of farmers, you know, were bringing their tomatoes from elsewhere. So the fellow that I buy my cucumbers for, for the pickle guy, I said to him, did you grow these uh, tomatoes on your farm? And he said to me, nope, uh, but my next door neighbor did. I said, well, that's pretty good. As long as right. his next door neighbor knows <laughs> that he has those tomatoes. <laughs> yeah, well, they were very nice looking. So it so must mean local beef up there, too. Yes, well, they were still, um, <laughs> they were still, um, how shall I say, expressing their interest in uh, in um, being co- cooped up in the in uh, uh, Katie Barn. So well, I'm sure they're letting you know by their bawling that they weren't happy. <laughs> no, but my son Al talks to cows, so he enjoyed uh, he enjoyed talking to them. So well, you know what? There's there's a whole, I would say, there's a whole way of uh, dealing with cattle, and that, and one is. Don't yell at them. Don't uh, uh, scare them, or you know, do abrupt movements. That's right. You you just calm and and uh, through their eyesight, there's a whole there's a whole dynamics about how to handle cattle. And uh, maybe in a future episode, there is a lady that uh, has taught many farmers how to handle cattle, and and um, there is a technique. Right. right? Well, so, um, that's perhaps uh, your uh, battle wounds today. Uh, you maybe should take some lessons. <laughs> well, yeah, I was doing some uh, processing of some cattle, but uh, I'll be fine. You'll I, be okay. I'll, I'll dust myself off and uh, pick up and be on on my All way. All right. Well, that's good. But you know, the, you know, we do, you know, talk about, uh, you know, there's a lot of dynamics about how you're even growing beef in in the sense of. Uh, you know, they talk about free-range chickens. I guess you can have free-range cows too, and and I would look at what well, I have. Oh yes, you my, have your your cows are free-range. Yeah, we have a cow-calf operation, and uh, right. certainly, I find one of my most enjoyment to- enjoying times is after supper and or maybe it's after dinner. Uh, you head out to, and the sun's starting to set, and you go out there and you check the cows, and they're at peace, and they're quiet, and they're laying down, and they're talking to their calves, and uh, it's a happy family. Right. And I think that's important uh, with any, uh, 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 if you call it production of cattle, or, or of animals itself, is, you know, happy cows. I think that's happy animals is very important on our on our part of our food chain in the sense of uh, it's the proper treatment of animals. Well, when we lived in Guelph, we used to come up to uh, Fergus. There was a store up there that uh, specialized in uh, beef and also turkeys right. and also chickens that were free range. Okay, right. and uh, that was kind. That was uh, you know, t- thirty years ago. So we've always been aware of trying to make sure that uh, the food that you eat has uh, 
you know, has not suffered. So well, certainly stressed animals that are stressed, the the food is completely different than animals that are certainly at ease. That's for sure. Right. You know, and that sort of thing. But uh, uh, you know, you go into again about the uh, UN report and, and the number of uh, lots of discussions around the uh, UN report about cattle and and the, and the part of the land use and and uh, which I think it's it's going to continue to roll out on on a lot of. Uh, dialogue, a lot of conversations, and I think that's something that we'll probably touch on on many episodes. Well, it's an ongoing dialogue on on what's happening in that particular area. I think that uh, there's new information coming out every day, and I think that uh, cattle uh, are not going to go away. Uh, I hope not, anyhow. Because right. I sure enjoy my uh, my my meat. All right. Well, let's look. You know, looking forward for solutions, and I, I look at something I wrote down here is don't over farm. You know, and uh, maybe that's something that we have to look at. But I think there's also a, a future episode talk about organic farming. Uh, that's that's another aspect of a lot of the large food chains. I understand are are certainly um, offering a lot of organic food in right. the sense of. Uh, and I think you ha- you mentioned something about your son. Uh, well, Al loves to eat organic uh, because he uh, he says that he, they taste different. All right, and so on. Uh, uh, when I got him some uh, strawberries the other day, uh, that was before the blueberry b- right, birthday right. card. They were organic, and he just uh, just loves uh, organic food. So, uh, I'm I think that there's more and more of that becoming available. I I think our stores that I see uh, happening, you know, the new stores that are becoming to uh, to Markdale will have m- much more of that uh, food uh, as we see it, and I think that. Uh, uh, more and more people are going to be aware of organic uh, food and how it tastes much better. Certainly the organic side of growing food is, is maybe you don't get the same uh, volume or, 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 or uh, it's just different techniques of growing that. I, I, understand, I understand, Stuart, that uh, not, not a, well, in our lifetime, we're going to see 10 billion people on this planet that's going to need to be fed. And, you know, farming is going to be very important in the sense of coming up of uh, ways of, of feeding those people along with the climate crisis that's going to be hitting How us. many have we got right now? Well, I understand right now there's close to 7.7 billion. So uh, 82 million a year is, is our annual growth uh, in, uh, across the, the planet itself or the world. But saying that from a UN, just a more of a recent UN report, that uh, it suggests that there's close to 800 million people right now that have food insecurity. They're not sure of their nutri- you know, where the next nutritional uh, dinner is coming from. And I think that's, that's something that's quite alarming in the sense of, uh, you know, 800 million people is a lot of people of, 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 of having that situation. When we have to come up with uh, newer varieties, and I, you know, there is a there is a food science too, right? Right. I grew uh, a big plot of uh, potatoes a few years ago, and they certainly were organic. But uh, I was wondering, is there a way that you can get rid of these potato bugs? Because uh, are, are they making? Are they certifying that my potatoes are organic? Well, a guy told me if you've got bugs on your food, that means your food is good. Well, that's why those potatoes yeah. were very good, yeah, but. but- it's, it's so from an organic side, uh, you know, uh, worms in your soil, right. uh, 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 you know, uh, bugs eating your, it means that there, there certainly aren't uh, a type of plant that, or, or the, you know, maybe sprays are on or whatever. There's certain. Well, no, we never sprayed, but I did offer an incentive uh, to the kids if they went out with a jar yeah. and picked up <laughs> uh, potato bugs and uh, paid them a penny a piece. Oh. Now, now. 
in retrospect, I probably should have left them out there. Um, but growing your own potatoes is a, right. a very, very ex- nice thing for somebody that uh, that wasn't brought up on a farm. Well, certainly, probably your potato leaves is what probably brings the nutrients to your paper or to your potatoes itself. But I will, I will tell you a, a brief little story. When I was a kid, my uncle and my dad used to dig a, a, a three, four foot hole in in the garden, and they would put a hamper of uh, of carrots and a hamper of. Uh, uh, potatoes. They would put straw down. They would put them down. They would cover them with straw. They put an old uh, ease trough pipe sticking out and cover that up. And you know, when you dug that back up in the spring, it just tastes like fresh potatoes and carrots. And that was like a natural way of cold storage. The ground itself uh, maintained that certain temperature. And uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of I guess a lot of dynamics that came to this country from years gone past that uh, taught people how to preserve and look after food. The same guy that. Uh Develop the heat pump, uh, figured that out as well. So, yeah, right? It's, it, yeah, it's, there's a lot of, this goes back to the whole about climate crisis. Like we, we just got to come up and look for solutions that, uh, that work well, right? So, uh, you know, moving forward then, I get, we're going to have a, a number of uh, uh, topics uh, in future episodes. I think we want to talk about, uh, uh, I think we talked a bit about, about bees. I think we want to, you know, yep. look at the plight of the, of the bees. The bees are very important for, uh, for the uh, pollination of a lot right. of different uh, uh, plants that we that we grow, and if, if you didn't have bees, you wouldn't have pollination to create stuff like that. Uh, right? They seem to be threatened, so we're going to need some expertise uh, to tell us uh, how we can help uh, beekeepers and uh, uh, just a. There's different types, I guess. Are all honeybees are pollinators, but are there bees that aren't honeybees that are also pollinators? Right. It's I don't know. We'll have to have an expert on and talk about that because that's a whole science in itself. Well, right? we'll go out and, on one of those Argos and and uh, tour one of those farms. Yeah, and do, and you know what? Uh, you, you know when my birthday is. Yes, in May. Yeah, well, uh, blueberries are... <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I know when your birthday is too, so... Yeah, right. Uh, Did so you we, expect it to be to give you an Argo? How about those Argos? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's kind of uh, do a bit of a wrap up here. Uh, We've talked about food, we've talked about environment, and we're going to be continuing to talk about those things, but we'll also be introducing some new topics. Uh, Hopefully everyone, uh, if they have any questions, will uh, call us on our our hotline or a voicemail and send us an email. Uh, The sky's the uh, the limit on a lot of the food topics, and uh, we'll look at uh, a lot of things in the future and... uh, Stay tuned for some of the th- great things that we have to talk about. Right. I want to put a plug out there for all the local fairs because uh, if you have an opportunity to uh, to get to those fairs, there's a good showcase of, of people of all the food and, and, and different products and, and stuff that they've worked hard over the year. And, and they're, it's a showcase because they're, they're showing it off. And the Fabersham Fair is coming up. Now, was it a few years ago that you won uh, the, the, the giant zucchini? Or was it your dad? No, it was my boys. Your boys? Yeah. With the help of my mother, or not my mother, but my wife. (laughs) So what do you do with a giant zucchini? How do you eat it? You fry it up. Just fry it up? Yeah, it's great. Slice it? Had some the other night. Did you? Okay, that's good. And and they're they're, they're very very much, uh, there's a lot of, holy smokes to it there you get some of those big zucchinis you can there's a lot of eating in one of those things but no i got a couple that uh, patricia got from a friend of hers so uh i'm uh, just looking for revising my recipes on it but right. i think you would rub them with oil and put salt and pepper and garlic on and put them on the barbecue right hey maybe you can make some zucchini uh gluten-free bread 
Oh, you can, but I prefer zucchini relish. All right. Well, that sounds good, Stuart. You can email us at feedback at ingrayhighlandsthisweek.ca. Our telephone number is 519-900-8905. What and When, Episode 2. Today, my guest is Paige Martin, who's been spending the summer at the South Gray Museum, and she has been studying Flesherton and all the history about it. So today, though, she's with me to talk a little bit about some of the things that are going to be happening in our community coming up. So uh, one of the things that you did at the uh, Flesherton Fing is you had some pet rocks. And uh, how are they today? They're doing awesome. I just watered them, and I think they are getting bigger by the day. <laughs> okay, so that's great. Uh, there's a high turnover on pet rocks. Anyhow, uh, it's harvest time in Grey Highlands, and the next fall fair that's coming up is September the 13th to 15th. The theme this year is Every Fair Has Its Story, and it's in Feversham, the great rural community of Feversham in the old area called Osprey. And how old is it, Paige? Um, I hear it's 152 years old, and I'm wondering what's older, you or the fair? <laughs> uh, well, obviously uh, I am, but uh, let's move away from that touchy subject uh, and uh, talk a little bit about uh, some of the things that we know will be coming up at the fair. And uh, every fair has its, uh, its story. So uh, one of the things that uh, you might be interested in telling us about is some of the events. So the ambassador competition is Friday evening. On Saturday at 10.30 will be a parade, after which will be the 4-H cattle show, a market lamb competition, dog show, and an antique tractor pull. Wow, and on Sunday, there's a truck and field tractor pull and sheep show all weekend. There's fun for the kids in the kids' zone and displays and competition. There's also music, memorabilia, car and antique shows. I hear there's also going to be bale rolling and stacking as well as log sawing competitions. For more details, you can check out their Facebook page where you can link to the Fall Fair book. Uh, thanks, Paige. And uh, one of the things I'm not going to miss is the uh, freak vegetable competition. <laughs> uh, but in the meantime, I want to say uh, good luck to you and thank you for spending uh, your summer in, uh, in, uh, in, at the South Green Museum. And good luck at your university in Brock. What course are you going to take uh, at uh, Brock this year? I'm going to be going for a business administration. I don't really know exactly what I want to do. I know it's going to open up a lot of doors. Um, it's also going to be really nice to see how other people in different communities think, considering I've lived in a small town my whole life. Uh, it's been my pleasure working with the museum and enjoying your salsa. Thank you, Stuart. Thank you very much, Paige, and uh, good luck at Brock. And good luck in life. <laughs> You've been listening to episode two of In Grey Highlands This Week for Thursday, the 29th of August, 2019. A current affairs podcast for and about the municipality of Grey Highlands in Ontario, Canada. Our hosts are Stuart Halliday and Paul McQueen. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we look forward to you favoring us with a response. Our email is feedback at ingrayhighlandsthisweek.ca or a call 
Our voicemail is 519-900-8905. Please visit ingrayhighlandsthisweek.ca to view the show notes, leave a comment, and listen to any extended material. You'll also find links to our social media presence where you can engage further with the show. Our scores are skillfully composed and generously provided by Al Halliday of Arkham Dispatch and Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. Thanks to our What When guest this episode, Paige Martin. The show is produced by Tim Riley at Leaking Ambient Studio. Our associate producer is Kate Russell. In Grey Highlands This Week is published by the Grey Highlands Chamber of Commerce and is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution, Non-Commercial, No Derivatives 4.0 International License. <laughs>